Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Judges. The book of Judges in chapter number 10. The book of Judges in chapter number 10. We are continuing to go through this series. Working on this bit by bit. We're on the downhill slide. And starting on Wednesday, we're beginning with the two individuals that I've been looking forward to this whole series. Talking about Samson and talking about Samuel. Remember, we're taking this series and we're putting it in chronological order. And one of the things that you're going to find is that Samuel is older than Samson. But they're born near the same time. Their entrances into the world and by their parents are similar. And we're going to watch as their lives intermingle and interweave with each other. That when one does something, it affects the other and where the other one is at. And so it's going to be a good thing starting on Wednesday night as we come through this period of the judges. And we examine the life of Samuel and Samson in the next couple weeks as we finish off this series. But as for now, we find our place in the book of Judges in chapter number 10. The book of Judges and chapter number 10. And if you don't mind looking with me in Judges chapter 10, starting at verse number 1. Judges chapter 10 and verse number 1, the word of God says this. And after Abimelech, there arose to defend Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. And he dwelt in Shimer in Mount Ephraim. And he judged Israel twenty and three years and died and was buried in Shemiar. And after him rose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel. Israel twenty and two years, and he had thirty sons that rode on thirty ass colts, and they had thirty cities, which is called Havajar unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jar died and was buried in Chemon. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served him not. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim so that Israel was sore depressed. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, we have, both, we have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God, and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you? 
from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines and the Zidonians also and the Amalekites and the uh, Minoanites did oppress you and you cried unto me and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. <coughs> and... He, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Judges, chapter number 10? The book of Judges, chapter 10, and verse number 14. Notice the phrase in Judges, chapter 10, and verse 14. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. With the Lord's help, we're going to see as God himself proclaims this to the children of Israel. You go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God who is plenteous in mercy. Great is your faithfulness. I'm glad that we could rely upon you. That we could trust on you. That any time that we come back to you. You are plenteous in mercy. And will allow us to come back to you. I'm thankful for that. But we also realize how much we displease you. And how much we offend you. And how much we aggravate and frustrate you. And Lord help us to realize that. Help us to see you clearly. Help us to see you high, holy and lifted up. And as we have a clear vision of you Lord that we would have a clear vision of ourselves Lord I'm asking that you would just glorify your own name magnify your own self and Lord that you would draw us close to you because of whom you are and in Jesus precious name we pray amen we come to the book of Judges and we see that this is not a fun time this is a time where over and over and over and over and over and over and over that the people said, we're going to serve you, God. We're going to follow you. And then they don't. And they go serve other gods. They put other things more important than God himself. And so God waits and finally he chastises them. He tries to bring them back. He tries to put something that they have to go seek him. And they come back and say, please, God, we need your help. And then what happens? He sends a deliverer. He gives them rest. And the people, after making a promise, we're going to serve you. They go back to doing what they were doing in the first place. And as we approach this, we could see God's heart. Remember that God is a real being. He's not an imaginary figment. He is a real being. And sometimes we forget that God has feelings too. When it says that we were made after God's own image. It wasn't our facial features. It was the soul that God had. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us separate from the rest of God's creation. Is the soul that God give, gave to us. The spirit that God gave to us. And with our soul, remember, we have will, intellect, and emotions. 
Do you know that God has will? He has intellect. And God has emotions. You ever think about what God thinks about us sometimes? You ever think that God sometimes may get frustrated and sickened and heartbroken by the way that we treat him? Remember, we got to remove all secondary causes and see our accountability to the Lord. And the things we do is not against nature, against pastor, against government, against whatever else. It's against the Lord. Because it is him who is our master. It is him that is our creator. It is him that we have to give. It's him that we sin against the love that he had for us. As we approach this passage, we could see some of the frustration that God has watching over this period as the people disobey and disobey and disobey and turn against him over and over and over. As we approach this passage, the first thing I want to show you is the cycle continues. The cycle continues. Remember, we at the very beginning of this series, we introduced the cycle that occurs over and over. And maybe you could even get to the place where you're able to repeat it. That they start off with rest. And as they rest, they turn against God. As they turn against God, God sends chastisement he allows a foreign nation to oppress them for the purpose of them to say we need god and they cry out to god so they went from rest they went to the place where they turned against god after they turned against god what happens is that god sends people to oppress them as the oppression comes they finally cry out to god god then sends a deliverer which gives them rest and then it goes again over And over and over. We see this cycle repeat. Notice in chapter 10 in verse number 1. We see this cycle going on. Verse number 10. Or verse number 1. And after Abimelech. Remember Abimelech was like a little hiccup. You actually had a guy who tried to become king. And it was showing how horrible the things were. That this could happen. And after Abimelech. There rose to defend Israel. Tola the son of Pua. The son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamiar in Mount Ephraim. So God sent up Tola. Now, not much is said about Tola, that he judged Israel 20 and 3 years and he died. There's nothing uh, exciting. He, he just, he was there. He delivered. There was no amazing stories. He delivered Israel. Here was another judge. So what happened is that things got bad. People cried. They got a judge and it went through again. After it went through that cycle, there arose another judge. This is J.R., J. Iyer. Good, J. Iyer. And you had him. And once again, this cycle is going on. And it describes a little bit about him. There's not much about him. But he judged, he was a military chieftain who delivered them. Verse number six. And the children of Israel did evil again. It wasn't the first time they did it again in the sight of the Lord. And served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of Philistines and forsook God and served him not. If you were to go through all of the history of Israel and you were to say, what is the biggest problem that the Israelites have? This is it. The number one problem they had time and time and time again is they served other gods rather than God himself. Now, they had these fake imaginary gods of all these other ones. But you know what the biggest problem that we have? 
We serve other gods other than ourselves. Whatever we deem more important than obeying God's word is a god. God gives us clear things within his word. He says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. So whatever you think is more important than assembling yourselves in the church, that's a little g God. The Bible says you're supposed to read your Bible. So when you have time and you choose, hmm, do I read Facebook or do I read my Bible? Let's go Facebook. Whatever you deem more important than obeying God, that is your little g God. God has allowed me to have some time to pray. I got some time to pray in my schedule. Do I pray or do I do something else? Well, whatever you deem more important than obeying God's word is a little g God. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to go witnessing. We're supposed to be a faithful witness and tell people about Christ. When we have the opportunity to go tell someone about Christ and we disobey, whatever reason we come up with of why we didn't obey is our little g God. You understand we're still having the same problem. We don't obey God. We don't look at him. And so what happens is this cycle repeats. That they turn away from God. That God sent to deliver. He gave them rest. And they turned away. So what happened? Verse number 7. And the anger of the Lord was hot. Now think of the imagery that God is saying here. Have you ever met so, someone so angry that they're hot? You could describe them as hot. They're just steaming. God is just not like mildly disamused. He is hot. He is upset. You say God is emotional? Yes. He is frustrated. He is upset. That it's not just that these people are heathen people and they're serving other gods. These are people that told God, God will obey you, will follow you. That's what makes it frustrating is that they said God will follow you. Remember in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua has all the people and he says, choose you this day, which God you will serve. You remember that message? We had that here. Even some of you said, I'm going to choose to follow God. And then what happened? You walked away. Something happened. You think God is mildly amused? You think he's just a little bit aggravated? Or do you think he's hot? These people made God a promise. I choose you and I'll follow you. You know, it's different. Someone who says, man, I don't have any interest in following you. Leave me alone. You know, that guy's made a choice. You can understand that. But to someone to tell God, God, I'm going to choose to follow you. I want to follow you. I should follow you. Help me to follow you. And then they turn away. That's aggravating to God. It's frustrating to God. It makes them hot. It makes them upset. There's a heated heatedness to it. He is hot. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines. And the hands of the children of Ammon. Now he did this because he's trying to get them to the place. Where they finally realize I need Jesus. And sometimes he throws things in our path. For the purpose to say I need you Lord. I need you. I'm coming back. I should go back to you. Now it's much better. If we obey when someone just pokes us. And said you know what you need to look at the Lord. Oh yes. Well, that's much easier rebuke. Than when God has to send something major. To get your attention and say. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Verse number 8. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years. 
And all the children of Israel were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan um, to fight against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Here we go again. They started with deliverers. They had rest. They got to the place where they... um, were under uh, oppression. Now they come to the place where they cry against the Lord. This is the same cycle we've seen over and over and over so far in the book of Judges. And it hasn't stopped. They're still doing the same thing. People do the same thing now. We understand that this is a cycle. People are... Pe- now, I'm not giving an excuse. You're not, I'm not trying to give you ammunition to say, well, this is what we're... No, this is not what God wanted to do. They made a choice to turn against God. We don't have to. We can choose to follow after Christ and stay following after Christ. But they cried to the Lord, verse number 10, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, we have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and we served Balaam. They recognized that they served other gods. They, they failed. They turned against God and trusted someone else. They, they put something else more important than God. And God was sore displeased. Now, this time, God does something different. Instead of just listening from heaven and saying, all right, all right, I'll send a deliverer. God decides he's going to send a message now. And God speaks to them. Now, we don't know if he did it by a preacher or he, we don't know exactly how he communicated this. Probably through preaching at this time. But notice, as God replies to them in verse number 11. The second thing, we see the cycle repeats. Now we see the Lord's frustrated message. The Lord's frustrated message. Verse number 11. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines, and the Zidonians also, and the Amalekites, and the Minoanites, did oppress you, and you cried unto me, and I delivered you out of the land. You know what he's doing here is he's recounting all the things that he had done for the people. You ever go back and think of all the wonderful things that God has done for you? Starting with Jesus Christ, robing himself in flesh, dwelling on this earth, and dying for you and dying for me. You understand that was not a fun time. That was not his Florida vacation. You understand that the humiliation of Christ did not begin at the cross. It began when he was born in Bethlehem. That he was a holy, righteous God dwelling among sinful man who offended him all over. He dwelt with sinful man. You know, that was the humiliation. It started there that he dwelt among sin and sin hurts God. God cannot be in the presence of sin. So can you imagine him willingly coming to a place where sin is all around him? He's right there in the midst of it, being affected by it. And he did it because of love. He loved you that much. That he died on the cross. Because he loved you. And that was not a picnic. That was something that was hurtful. Something painful. But he did it because he loved you. You understand he did that for us. Then he loved you so much that he sent someone by to tell you the truth. Whether it was a pastor, whether it was a soul winner, whether someone gave you a track, whether it was a Sunday school teacher, whether it was a parent. But someone told you the truth that God sent it by someone by to tell you the truth. 
And that God has answered prayers. He's provided so much for you. He's given us His Word. He has answered prayers. He has done so much for us. That what makes it worse. It always seems like when we do more for a person, that's when they're going to turn. God has done so much for us. Notice this in verse number 13. Ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. You understand that God's frustration got to the place. He says, why should I help you? What's in it for me? You understand that God is a living being. And to a degree, he operates for his own glory and honor. You understand that why should he deliver you when you're not going to go serve him? Why should God answer your prayer when you're not going to come back to church? Why should God answer your prayer when you're not going to read the Bible? Why should God answer your prayer? Why should God help you? Why should God deliver you? Why should he do anything for you if you're not going to serve him? You understand that we're so selfish. We want things from God, but we don't look and recognize he is God. He is not our servant. We are his servant. You know, we have a wrong view of God sometimes. You know, sometimes people carry the idea, the way that they act and behave, that God is like a grandfather up in the sky. He's almost like a a salt and pepper beard. And he looks down like a grandfather at grandchildren, you know, and looks down and says, oh, it's all right. Pats him on the head and says, I know you can't help it, but that's fine. You're so cute. You understand that's not God. God is the creator. He is the holy God. He is the one that's standing on the throne. He is the God that every knee will confess and every tongue will con- uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is the king of kings that even all kings and presidents and rulers will have to stand before God and give an account. You understand, this is the God who spoke the worlds in existence with just his word. You understand, this is the God who is so huge that time itself fits in the palm of its hand. And we look at time and eternity like it's something mind-blowing. But it is something, time is small to God. You understand, this is the God that without him nothing could exist. This is the God who loves us. And yet we rebel and say we want some fake God rather than this God. We want some God we can control rather than having let this God control us. You understand that we... Again, think about God's perspective. That He is the only glorious one. He is the Almighty One. He is the Elohim, which is the perfect name of God, the self-existing one. Do you know that God doesn't need anything to exist? He doesn't need food. He doesn't need energy. He he survives outside of that. He is the Jehovah, the great I am, the one who, who supplies our every need. He is the Jehovah Nisi, the banner over me is love, that he's put our banner over us. He loves us and he's set us apart. He's the Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who can make everything. He is the Adonai, the master, the, the one that every knee will bow. He's the one who also will take care of those that serve him. 
He is the great God. He is the El Om, the God, the eternal God, the everlasting God, the God who lives forever and ever without ceasing. He is the almighty God. And yet we little pipsqueaks say, I'll serve you only if it's convenient to me. I'll serve you only if I want to. And if someone else gives me a better offer, some little G God gives me a better offer, I'll join them. You understand? He is the one that's the only true living God. And how frustrating it is to watch his creation, who he created all of us, to say, I don't accept you. I don't like you. I don't want to be with you until we need him. The only time we acknowledge that God is the almighty God is when we need him. Oh, I hurt God. I need you. Oh, my my checkbook doesn't work. God, I need you. Oh, God, I'm hungry. I need you. God, I knew that need this new plaything. I need you. We use him as if he's our servant. But he is the master. You imagine how frustrating that's got to be that his own creation says, I want to do my own thing to the almighty God who created them and made them in the first place. And then they keep getting in trouble and they keep doing the same thing. God, I'll serve you. Hey, wait, what's on TV? Hey, God, I'll serve you. I want to do this. God, I'll serve you. Uh, Maybe later. And he's the almighty God. No wonder he's to the place where he says, I'm not going to help you anymore. There's nothing good to help you out. It doesn't do me any good to help you out. Why? But notice in verse number 14, go and cry unto your gods, which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of tribulation. You know that no one cares for you like Jesus. You know, when it comes time and you've got a health problem, cancer. What good is your hobby going to do? Is it going to heal you? When you're having major health problems, is Facebook going to finally get around to helping you to, to solve, to heal you your problems? When you're having financial problems, is your kids going to help you out that you've devoted so much time, said they're more important than God? You understand God is saying, hey, if you think that other things are so important than me, you let them help you out when you go through problems. Someone said there's no such thing as a true atheist. You let them get in a car accident, they'll cry out for God too. You understand that how pitiful and pathetic we are to say that we're Christians and yet we only need God when we need him. Other times we could take it or leave it and we'll leave it if we get the chance. That God's not a big part of our everyday life. And it's all because we don't recognize how big God is. We don't recognize that he is God. The problem is our view of God. That we don't recognize him as the true and living God. And we go do whatever we want. How awful would it be when God finally gets frustrated with us. Going through the cycle and he says, you go to your other gods. Stop coming to me. I'm closed. There's one thing I do want to show you. One last thing I want to show you here is the people's response. Maybe we could say it like this. God's abundant mercy. Notice if you don't mind in verse 15. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, 
we have sinned. Do thou unto whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. If you were to write down notes or put things up here, this is the definition of mercy. You know what mercy is? It's throwing yourself at authority's feet and say, you do whatever you see is right. We leave the choice to you. You know what they're crying out for? Mercy. Mercy. Whatever you deal is right. Mercy. They threw themselves completely at God's feet and said, the choice is up to you now, God. Whatever you think is right, we're going to let you to choose. They say, deliver us only, we pray thee this day. And they put away the strange gods. That's a good start. They repented. You know, not only did they cry for mercy, they repented. Now, you are in this flesh like I am. Have you ever told God, help us out, but you had no intention to serving him? Have you ever got to that place of coldness in your heart where, God, help me out. I'm still not going to church. God, help me out. Here, they got serious about it. God, not only help us, but I'm repenting. I messed up. I'm getting rid of these little G-gods. I'm getting rid of them. I put them away. This idea of putting them away just says they got rid of it. They got rid of it completely. Whatever they were turning to. They got rid of those idols. They got rid of those statues. They got rid of those little G-gods. And notice this. And served him. So they asked for mercy. They put away the strange gods. Then they served him. You know part of waiting on God. And waiting for his deliverance. Is not like come on God I'm waiting. But when you. The true idea of waiting is that you're trusting God so much that he is going to deliver that you serve God in anticipation. All right, God, I'm trusting that you're going to deliver. I'm going to get busy doing what you've already told me to do. You see, this is what got God's attention. Not that they were crying and having a fit. No, I want it now. That's not repentance. That's throwing a fit. But here they say, God... We're trusting you. The choice is up to you. Whatever you see is right. And while we're doing that, I'm getting rid of my little G-gods. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what I know is right. I'm going to trust that you're going to do this. And notice this. And his soul. Who's this his here? That's God's. And God's soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Now we could see the gambit of emotions. He starts off where he's frustrated. He's hot. Fine, you go serve your other gods. But when they repented, when they got right, they said, God, we trust you. You you choose what's best. We're going to serve you. They got rid of the little G gods. You know what happened? God's heart broke. You know why it broke? Because he loves them so much. By the way, he loves us so much. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. When we finally get broken heartedness and realize how much we've offended God. When we stop looking at ourselves and we look at God and say, God, you're God, not me. Man, I've hurt you so badly. You know, part of the reason why we don't repent is because we don't realize how badly we've hurt God. We don't realize how much we've offended him. And it's not that he's some vindictive master. We've hurt someone who loves us so dearly. That's who we've offended. We've sinned against his love. What's the solution? To come back to him. To say, God, I need mercy. Whatever you see is do is right. That's yours. But I'm coming back home. You know, the wonderful thing about the Lord 
is that he'll take you back any time. You may have offended God. You may have done so much. But any time you want to come back to him and say, I've done wrong. Help me to do right. I want to come home. He'll always take you back. The Lord is plenteous in mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God's mercies are new every morning? I know there's times that I've felt like I've drained that mercy thing. But in the morning, (laughs) they're brand new again. Oh, I'm so thankful that God's mercies are new every morning. That any time we could come back to him, any time we could run back to him and say, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. When we realize that it's not all about us, but it's about the God that we serve. We need to get our eyes off us and back on him and realize who he is. You know, if these people would have done this, they would have broken this cycle that went on and on and on. Maybe you might even recognize this cycle in your own life. That there's a time that the preaching of God's word spoke to your heart and you went and said, God, I need to follow you. But what happened is that that Decision wore off in a matter of hours, days, weeks. And you went back to your old thing. Life is normal until God gets your attention some way or another. Then you have to cry out to God, say, God, I need you, please. And so God, because he's plenteous in mercy, he gives you relief and you say, all right, God, this time I'm going to do it. And then what happens? You wander away again. The whole time you're sinning against God's love. Now I'm saying this is normal man. (laughs) We go through that cycle. But that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to get off the tracks and say I'm following after Christ. And I'm not repeating that same loop. I'm going the same direction. I'm not stuck in the roundabout. I'm going where I'm supposed to go. I'm following after Christ. A couple days ago I had a brand new Christian come up to me. And they said, I can't understand why someone could get saved and not serve God. I don't understand it. What's wrong with the people? Because they're not right. They're not keeping their eyes on you. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be where people get saved and they follow after Christ and they don't stop. What happens is that we turn our hearts away from God and we develop some bad habits And we get stuck on the loop and we think we're fine because we see other people on the loop with us. But that's not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to advance forward. We're supposed to keep going. Our life is supposed to be change, 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 change. And we're all changing to Christ continually. Not stuck. If you felt like you're stuck, let me tell you, you are. What's the answer? Go to Jesus. Get rid of those distractions. Get rid of those things. You may not call them little G gods, but... You may call them hobbies. You may call them habits. You may call them whatever. Those things that keep you from obeying God change things. Because it's not about you. It's about God. You understand that one day you're going to stand before that God and you're going to give an account. And how do you think that count's going to be when he's so frustrated, so aggravated? You ever come home and know that your parents are mad and upset at you? You know that they're mad. You know that there's a whooping waiting for you when you get home. 
What a brokenhearted thing it is to know that they're upset and you got to go face him. I'd rather face God and him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'd rather come home and have my parents pleased with me because of my actions rather than knowing that I'm going to go home and face him after I've hurt him so badly. You see, this message is not about us. It's about him. And after all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.